0: Hey everybody in Serial Killer Country, my name is Brittany Ransom.
1: And my name is Brian Joyner.
0: And this is When Killers Got Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we love to learn about. Each week we'll discuss something new and interesting in the serial killer world, or in case this week, more like interesting in the true crime world. And then we will discuss a well-known or lesser-known serial killer, go into their childhood lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then because most serial killer fans love a little spook, I know I do, Brian will lead us down the path of the paranormal or just something that he thought was kind of creepy. So this week we decided to try something a little bit different because serial killer news can sometimes get a little bit stale. And we've decided to separate from each other, find a true crime story that made us go what the heck or just made us <laughs> laugh this week <laughs> and then i will be discussing uh sarah maria aldretti and aldolfo costanzo's uh drug smuggling human sacrifice cult Ooh. called the uh lars it's los narcos oh wait
1: you say costanzo mm-hmm. oh, okay i think i've heard this one like-
0: yeah i didn't i came across a book mm-hmm. and it uh, the first yeah. book was like 300 pages, and then the guy re-released it in 2014. His name is Hume. And it's now a 500-page book with a lot more information on this. Oh, oh my goodness. What? had 1991. Was, 1990 is when they got caught. Okay. So that was just a real... I've never done a podcast on a cult. I don't go too deep into cult stuff.
1: Oh, right. I just, yes. I remember. Yes. So he,
0: this is a big... This was a lot of information and... I will say to anyone listening, buy the book. Like, go download the book or get it sent to you via like PDF because I can download books for free on my Kindle. I had to give you all a more sanitized version of the things that was, these men did.
1: I was about to say there's going to be a big trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, I had
0: to very much sanitize the the message and the story because a lot of the ritual killings they go into. Absolute incredible detail, like just gruesome stuff.
1: Only, and I
0: decided not to go that route yeah. and just talk about them and why they started the cult, where they came from. I do discuss the murders, but not nearly as graphically as the book did.
1: The only things I remember from hearing about it is that they use it in Ganga, mm-hmm. and then there's some guy, he's named Catman.
0: I didn't have that name, but that's fine. Um, the book that I first found was called Buried Secrets, A True Story of Drug Running, Black Magic, and Human Sacrifice. That was released in 1991, a year after uh, everyone gotcha. was found out and put in jail. That's from Edward Humes. And then in 2014, he released another book called Buried Secrets, A True Story of Serial Murder that's about the same crime, but a lot more detailed. Mm-hmm. It's meticulously like researched, the, these books. So I like both of them. And also, um, I first even read about them from a book by uh charlotte grieg called evil serial killers the mind of monsters Ooh. and that was like a smaller blurb mm. you know i keep looking up uh like anthology books on serial killers just to see if i can find out more information about new people but yeah so that's who i'm gonna be talking about and then this week you are diving deeper into
1: uh yeah the warrens i'll be doing i'll be covering a one of one of their cases and then yeah, one of her cases.
0: Just one? Just one. I, oh, wow. Yeah, it's
1: it's pretty long, and I was like, it's going to be a while, and we're probably going to just talk about it, so. <laughs> well,
0: that's very interesting, too, because, I mean, I know a lot of these cases, but I don't think I've done really big, deep dives into them. Yeah. I remember reading the Amityville book when I was in college. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm pretty sure some people may have heard this story But before, none of the but... other
0: stories that they've made movies about have I actually read the the source material mm-hmm. for.
1: Oh, well, you should read Annabelle. It's a... Um, interesting
0: wait they did a whole book on it about
1: um i'm pretty sure they did a book about it and then well it's in it's in the book okay. the demonologist there's yeah a, yeah a, i know about that story there.
0: i mean i'm i'm a frequenter of their website i yes. like to look at the
1: haunted toys <laughs> but um. yeah i got this story from actually not the book oh. but there's an actual book about this story and oh, yeah, apparently yeah. there's a freaking movie about it too
0: yeah because the conjuring had some book i just never read it i didn't know anything about that story until the movie came yeah, out yeah same so that was an interesting factor. But we we challenged ourselves to find a, a true crime story this week that was just interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so this came from the weekend of March 18th, 2021. And uh, the headline is just, videos show suspect casually pulling grandfather's ear out of pocket.
1: Oh, right. No, I. Saw. You saw this one because it's ridiculous. I read this last week on the Daily Mail. I think well, is no, what it was. No, this
0: happened this past week. I think. Oh, was it. Let's see. This, this was late. Of course, it happened in Florida because yeah. Florida, Lake County, Florida. Um, there was a call Saturday night from not the person who did the killing, and it just said, "I want to report an incident here. A Vietnam vet attacked a man. He said he had to defend himself. It got out of control." okay so the police show up and this is you can watch this it's all via um chess cam and they start asking this guy hey where are your family members and so he casually reaches into his pockets and pulls two bloody somethings out of out of his pockets and they're like what is that and then the other like guy goes those are ears. <laughs> and you can hear the copy is like, so not feeling this at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
0: we're calling 911. Apparently, this guy Parker had called his friend, and the friend is the one who called the 911 team in. And like, that friend was like, he called me. He sounded high out of his mind. I was like, is Pops there? Are you all right? He goes, Pops is done. He tried to attack me and I killed him. Right. So, yeah. Moments after that, they say that parker tried to reach for like he asked the police officer for his gun i'm guessing to end himself right right and then when they didn't give him the gun he tried to take it so they had to like you know taser him and of course yeah boop him on the ground as they do um but then they noticed that like as they were like looking him over um his story doesn't really match the 911 story so like he said that they were smoking a bowl at the, at the kitchen table yeah. And that all of a sudden, his grandfather just reached for a knife and tried to, and swung at him. And he was just like, I just had to, like, defend myself. And now he's sitting here dead. <laughs> so That's not funny. It's just the it's way It's funny it. because it's so fucking ridiculous. At the scene, the deputies are like, well, hold out your hands. So they take a couple pictures. He has zero defensive wounds. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Which is, if someone's stabbing you, you're going to put your hands up. Yeah. They- you know um or
1: yeah so after
0: he gets arrested he admits while he's like handcuffed yeah no i hit him with a baseball bat a couple times then i stabbed him oh my god and he says i wanted him to be with my grandmother it was time for him to go (laughs) and then he he mentioned after that he cut off his ear yeah he
1: i think when they were putting him like they were cuffing they were putting him in the car or something he's like don't you want to know what happened to like his, his ears <laughs> and, yeah. like, and then he pulls them out of his pocket
0: he just was <laughs> like Here and he like when he pulls him out i think he wasn't cuffed yet because he was sitting on like the edge like the back end of a truck okay there you and go. he just yet pulls him out of his pocket is just like that and you could see like in the video they blur out what's in his hands yeah but it's still very much like he's just sitting here with his, ears in his hands.
1: why the ears but when they
0: put him in the the car he says like you know i just wanted him to be with my grandmother and i'm like buddy what is wrong with but you why
1: the ears why cut off the e- balls of them too i have
0: never heard of that as like a disrespectful thing but maybe who knows is
1: that i mean that took a that took some time. I mean, probably oh, not. Well, this if might the,
0: be the first time I've ever heard of somebody getting high off of weed and doing it, a crazy crime.
1: Yeah. That must normally, something,
0: that's not how that works. It
1: must have been laced with something, definitely. Because, you know, you know. Yeah.
0: Because this sounds like maybe a little bit of PCP. This sounds like a PCP kind of crime. Yeah. <laughs> not a. Normally, when, when people get high, they just get real
1: chill. Y- you're and, either chill and and, insightful. Yeah. And-
0: they, they, they get fake deep. Fake deep is what I like to call it. Not yeah. truly insightful. Just.
1: Well, yeah, fake. Okay, yeah, fake deep, I guess, we want to call it that.
0: I feel like you're probably going to get only going to get real insight from people who are insightful when they're sober.
1: This is true, too.
0: <laughs> people who aren't insightful when they're sober I mean, definitely are insightful when they're high.
1: I'm insightful when I'm drunk, so.
0: We will just have to see those that that one day. Like you told me you get silly and you dance.
1: Okay, first of all, that's those are different drunks. <laughs> I, I'm talking about chill drunk. Did
0: get, when you, you we were drinking beer that when you were drinking beer that one time, you got really cutesy silly. It was adorable.
1: I don't remember what you're talking about.
0: I remember it. <laughs>
1: Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yes, yes, yes. Whatever. <laughs> I remember. Whatever.
0: But anyway, I'm ready. You tell me your true crime story you found this week.
1: Okay. So this one's actually an, uh, an old story. Okay. It happened It happened a year ago. Um, I'm just... Oh. There are just new different charges on it now.
0: New developments in the case?
1: <laughs> sort of, yeah. Okay. So this is a a crime of... Passion or a passionate crime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your face makes me believe you don't believe this.
1: Okay, so it's a Louisiana priest and two dominatrices They were caught having a threesome in a church, um, and or on a church altar. I guess it's in in it. It was in a church. Um, Okay yeah so just
0: the sacrilegious trifecta there
1: there you go um yeah so he's a priest and you got two dominatrices and they're having a threesome they're filming a threesome
0: for like OnlyFans. <laughs> like what was this um
1: i think it was just for him okay um so yeah so so earlier like How last year it's
0: become a murder Is not a murder oh okay it's What's just a, a crime <laughs> oh okay okay it's
1: just a crime There's was no murders here nobody killed anybody um. So yeah, they were originally um charged as what was it? Um, charged as obscenity with obscenity. They're charged with obs- obscenity, um, and now they're being charged with vandalism. Oh, and this is just updated. So yeah. So yeah, they were caught last year after a passerby spotted the group through a window, and they contacted the police. Um. But,
0: I guess they felt like their um church was being defiled,
1: of course, yeah, and <laughs> the priest, that's his church,
0: yeah, that's a whole different situation, hmm.
1: yeah, they said it says that officers recovered sex toys, lighting, and recording equipment when they were arrested, well, so that's
0: the worst part, like you were filming,
1: yeah, yeah, that was I'm pretty sure it was just for his own um his own uses
0: you know what that made me think about the fact that didn't only fans just remove all of the videos of people that had done like outdoor stuff because they couldn't confirm whether it had be- been done like legally or not
1: oh really i did not hear about that yeah that
0: happened in the last like couple of weeks and people were upset because they didn't inform the performers like the people on the thing that we were going to remove those videos hmm. and like of course i'm like well outside could be like you know out in your own backyard. Yeah, in your backyard. But, of course, in other situations, people are trying to, like, get shock factor and, you know, make videos near schools and things of that nature. So, in an attempt to
1: avoid... That's a charge. Yeah, essentially, to avoid what these girls got in trouble for. Yeah, no, that's uh, a, what do you, you get registered as a sex offender if you do it listen, at, on, a, on a playground I by know. a school, oh my goodness.
0: You get registered for a sex offender if you pee in public in a kid's school. This is here. true, too. So, if you,
1: yeah, a, on a playground, if you pee in, on a playground, you will be charged as a sex offender because you just whipped your wow. thing out. Wow. But yeah that's... So
0: yeah that was OnlyFans trying not to get in trouble For what those girls got in trouble for which But they was... weren't
1: doing it outside they were doing it inside They of
0: were it. doing it in a public place
1: It wasn't
0: Ugh! Can you imagine like you see the video You know that's your church You know exactly <laughs> which tapestry is hanging behind the altar You can see it But
1: that's if they are posting it on OnlyFans Who knows what they're going to do with the video They
0: always post that creepy shit online You know exactly what I mean That was going to end up on one of them websites
1: Oh my God! Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And then someone, like, but can you imagine? You're like scrolling through, like I don't know, whatever the website you like to watch is. There's a million of them at these points.
1: I try not to use those websites.
0: I know because they don't pay people. But exactly. Um, you're scrolling through, and you're like, "Oh, look at this uh, priest with two nuns." And then you click, on, "That's my church."
1: Oh, I sit on that pew. They weren't. They Ugh. they weren't role playing.
0: I know they weren't role playing, but people always—they liked... weren't. They weren't. So wait, so was he still wearing his collar? Or I, no? I don't.
1: I think he was just like dressed normally, and they were dressed up in their dominatrix. Uh, oh. Dominatrix.
0: So it was just the location for him. Oh, this has got some kind of creepy he, serial killer. Vibes. He was
1: probably just bored, you know, because Mm-mm. that's where he works. That's he's a priest there,
0: right? So, so he wanted the memory of. Whenever he's like at church giving a sermon, he can think about the fact that right there in the middle of the aisle, like right where you get your communion from, Mary, I was getting double teamed by two ladies. <laughs> that's what that was.
1: He's being <laughs>
0: You know he was.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't think of that. But yes, that's probably why... I mean, hey, you gotta spice it up. Be bored at work, you gotta. I cannot.
0: I work with children. I cannot okay. be bored
1: at work. Different, for, <laughs> different, different for you. My goodness.
0: I surely hope you aren't either. You're supposed to be giving life saving.
1: Oh no, I don't do services that. to people. <laughs> Come on, I got. I'm driving all. Thank you. Like, You're
0: delivering like life saving blood to people. And I
1: go to hospitals all the time. Yes, I'm going to find some way to get to the hospital. Somebody's. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, thank you.
1: <laughs> when killers get caught is sponsored by the Magic Class Boutique. Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right, the Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And, introducing the cereal collection. This set of earrings is based off of Serial Killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a serial killer would need to pull off their crimes from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warning keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T H E M A G I C C L A S P dot com and use promo code cult for 15% off. And make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you. Oh, goodness.
0: Oh, gosh. All right. Well, you know a little bit about the, uh, Narcositanisco. so
1: yeah but it was months ago when i heard about this read so. mm. please please i'll i'll try my best not to
0: <laughs> that's okay but uh as we get into this i will start like i normally do with talking about the people but i'm gonna do it in a slightly different order today but i'm gonna talk about our main cult leader first adolfo jesus constanza he was born in miami florida november 1st 1962 and he was the son of a 15-year-old Cuban immigrant, Neely Delia Aurora Gonzalez del And he was the first of her three children, all from three different fathers. When he was six months, old, six months, Delia had him blessed by a Haitian priest of Palo accepting the priest's judgment that her son was a chosen one who was destined for great power. Adolfo was still an infant, and his mother moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and he got baptized as a Catholic there and served briefly as an altar boy. But that was more of a cover for the family. Their true religion was a bit darker. Um, his mother immersed herself in Palo Mayombe, and she taught her son as well, um, and then she got other magic practitioners to continue his education in both San Juan and Haiti. In 1972, when he was 10, the family returned to Miami, and he started a full-time apprenticeship with a Haitian priest from Little Havana.
1: Oh, so he was getting into it. He was learning about all that
0: Like, stuff. serious learning about this stuff. Now, Adolfo's mom has a, a pretty serious criminal history. Uh, and pretty much during his adolescence, she was arrested about 30 different times. All crimes related to making money for the family. Trespassing, shoplifting, check fraud, grand theft. But also, apparently, at some point, they charged her with child neglect. I'm guessing because she wasn't home, mm-hmm. she was out trying to find ways to make money. Right, right. Um, even though she kept getting arrested, nothing stuck, and she always got away with only probation. Something she credits her son's magical work for. <laughs> Since they had so many issues, they would move a lot. Pretty much whenever they couldn't pay the rent, they would move to a new house. Uh, and whenever they left, they left a home vandalized, bloodstained, full of animal sacrifices. The neighbors were sure she was a witch, but no one dare challenge her or you'd find a headless goat on your doorstep yeah, as a warning. Yeah,
1: that's a hex for you right there.
0: Hmm. Adolfo followed his, in his mother's footsteps well into his teens. But he also began cruising gay bars as a teen and robbing gay men. Oh. He was a terrible student and he graduated the bottom of his high school, dropped out of college after failing his first semester. He just didn't care about anything other than the dark arts. And he pretty much turned to his longtime mentor and devoted all of his time and energy to studying magic at this point. He was like, screw college. I'm going to be a bruja.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Uh, Together, Mm -hmm. they began robbing graves for items for ceremonies, made voodoo dolls of their enemies. Now, I have to pause here because I want to stop and explain that Palo is an African diasporic religion created by displaced Africans who were in Cuba. Um, Africans displaced for the same reasons that Africans in America were displaced, the transatlantic slave trade. Um, But this is not voodoo or voodoo, which is more Louisiana based south of America. This is actually a mixture of the traditional Congo religion in Central Africa, Catholicism and spiritualism. So it it kind of works within the world of Catholicism. So when they say that they are, you know, making sacrifices to demons and things, they're mm-hmm. pulling from Catholicism as well.
1: Okay, those kinds of demons, not uh, voodoo demons. Right, okay. not
0: like what we would think of as as voodoo or no, like Santeria.
1: No Papa Legba.
0: No Papa Legba in Palo Bayambe. Now, Mayombe is one of the three traditions. There's three different traditions, and of course I didn't write all three of them down. But, uh, and... Mayombe is interesting because it does not believe in white magic or dark magic. Instead, every individual practitioner is called to follow your own path without judgment. So it is up to you as you learn about the religion to decide if you want to be doing more dark practices Mm -hmm. or focus on more positives.
1: Okay. Just like a witch. Got it.
0: Many drug dealers trust the practitioners of palo mayombe to protect their enterprises so this is very popular in mexico um interestingly enough adolfo's grandfather who also believed in this stuff too had some words of advice for him as he was you know kind of coming into his own in his early 20s mm-hmm. he said let the non-believers with the drugs we will profit from their foolishness And so his grandfather instilled in him the concept of, listen, you can work in the drug world. Don't do drugs. That'll be the end of you. Mm,
1: Smart. It's true. It's
0: the same concept of don't get high on your own supply.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's something that he was very serious about, even when he was running his cult.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, according to Adolfo's mother, by 1976, he was exhibiting psychic powers and he began predicting the future. Months before the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan, Adolfo predicted that someone would try and kill the president, but he would survive. Also, during this time, he got arrested twice for shoplifting. Once was in 1981 for stealing a chainsaw. I'm I'm guessing just you know to cut animal parts.
1: Okay, cool. By
0: 1983, he had chosen his patron saint and pledged himself to Kadiyampembe, Pembe, which is Paulo Mayambe's version of Satan. Mm. And with his grandfather's blessing, he devoted himself to the worship of all evil.
1: Oh, okay. At his cool. final
0: initiation, he was ritually scarred with a knife. And he told his family, my soul is dead. I have no God. And he was ready to become a leader.
1: Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great news. So
0: before I bring in the other cult leader and her life, I want to talk about the the next four years and what they look like for Adolfo as he kind of began to build a, a group of people behind him. Mm. Uh, he doesn't meet her until 1987, I believe. So it's 1983 now. Okay. He is considered to be a very attractive man, and he takes a job as a model in Mexico City in
1: 1983.
0: There you go. In his spare time, he reads tar- tarot cards in the city's red light district called Zona Rosa. Um, before going back to Miami, he meets his first three recruits: uh, Martin Quintana Rodriguez, a um, homosexual psychic named Jorge Montez, and Omar Araya Ocheo Aurea, who w- had been obsessed with the occult since he was about fifteen years old. Okay. Very quickly, Adolfo seduced both Martin and Omar, essentially telling them that. One of you is going to satisfy me as a woman and the other as a man, depending on my mood.
1: Oh, 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 okay. So they have no choice. There's going to be switches, right?
0: Pretty much. This is going to be, depending on my mood, you're going to be my woman. Mm, Okay. About a year later, partway through 1984, he moves to Mexico City full time and he moves in with both Martin and Omar in now, interestingly enough, in the source material, I found multiple people say, like, menage a trois. And I think that's because in 1991, they didn't necessarily have the language for what this was. Mm. But this was not a, a menage a trois situation. This was much more of, like, a triad in, like, a modern polyam relationship. I was about to
1: say, yes, polyamorous. Probably. Yeah,
0: it was more like a, a polyamorous relationship. Um, he was beginning to collect followers at this point. He had a reputation as someone who who was magical, that was the big gossip in Mexico city. He offered readings and he also did limpias, which were ritual cleansings for people who felt like they'd been cursed. None of this was free. Of course. Not. And he began stacking a sizable amount of cash in the early eighties. And so I have to say this because he did, not do this for regular people. And right. you're going to see yeah. by the numbers. He
1: is for like celebrities or some stuff like that. Right.
0: Yes. So, after he died, they looked through his home, and they found journals that listed the prices. And he documented about 30 of his regular customers during this time period and what they paid him. Mm -hmm. So, the cleansing rituals themselves were upwards of $4,500 per ceremony. That's okay. No, thank you. And then there was a menu for the sacrificial animal that you wanted to be used there. Oh,
1: you could do a la carte? Oh, sweet. Uh, yes. So
0: <laughs> if you wanted roosters, they were $6 a head. Goats, 30 Boa constrictor, 450 Oh, my God. An adult zebra, 1100 Where
1: are you getting those from? Or
0: an African lion cub, $3,100.
1: You definitely are not catching one of those without getting murdered yourself. I'm guessing
0: that's some serious illegal business to get to somehow import yeah. a lion cub.
1: Oh my god, you... Oh my... No.
0: He was able to get people to pay those prices because he was not dealing with regular citizens. He dealt with wealthy drug dealers first. He would give them readings and then tell them the ideal time that they should schedule their drug shipments to avoid the police, as well as offering them protection magic so that they'd be ignored by cops and bulletproof for their enemies. It was all bullshit.
1: Of course.
0: But I'll explain to you why it worked for him a little bit later. This is a little further down. Uh... Drug dealers were raised on a... However, like, a lot of the Mexican drug dealers were raised on the concept of brujaria. And they were already believers. So mm-hmm. this wasn't a far stretch for them to to do that. Like, up here, we don't necessarily believe a brujas. And, you know, as in, in witches, like, they do. Mm-hmm. We believe in different kinds of witchcraft. Or there's different religions based around the concept of Wicca and things of that nature right, up right. in the North America. But... It's a whole different ball game south of the border.
1: I believe that, yeah. There's okay.
0: multiple witchcraft religions. Mm. This is just one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, according to one, like one of Adolfo's ledgers, just one of the drug dealers who he was dealing with paid him $40,000 over a three year period. Oh. So he was, you know, and, and he had 30 different costumers. Mm-hmm. So he was making big bucks. Now, with prices like those, his customers expected a little bit extra from what you could get from, like, a rural brew hub. And he realized that these people who were driving fancy cars and carrying Uzis, like, expected, like, a big show. So in 1985, he moves from just doing animal bones and mm. things to using human bones. And mm. he begins, he gets his three main disciples to begin grave robbing for him. Having all of the human bones at these ceremonies gave him just an air of legitimacy and it attracted people from all over Mexican society. So now he just wasn't just bringing in drug dealers. We're talking doctors, real estate moguls, fashion models, major drag show performers, and maybe not so surprisingly, high ranking police officers, uh, of course. which ties in how he was able to know when those drug oh dealers <clears throat> could cross the border safely.
1: Of course, I mean, why would you... Several of
0: them joined his cult, and two of them were a big deal. One was Salvador Garcia Alarzon. He was a commander in charge of the Narcotics Division. They had different divisions. And then Florentino Ventura Gutierrez. He retired from the Federales to head the Mexican branch of Interpol. So in his group uh, of cult members, you have two of the biggest police that you can have giving, just feeding him information. And these aren't like the cult, the people, the cult followers adored him. They worshiped him. They were willing to do almost anything
1: to so, have his approval. So were they dirty cops then or just.
0: Well, here's the thing, though. Mexico is kind of known for bribery at all levels of their justice system. Okay,
1: true, true. This
0: isn't crazy. But for for Adolfo's disciples, they weren't in it for the money. Uh, they, they were... wanted to make him happy
1: oh so basic, and so he was like when's
0: it? the river when's the rio grande going to be clear mm-hmm. we're going to take boats across and they would be able to tell him this so he's doing these 4500 five thousand dollar ceremonies with the gang member with the information that he's getting directly from the
1: cops uh, from his cult members got it so
0: okay to them they're like well it's right. Like we we crossed the river, there was nobody there. There's always people there. Yeah,
1: no shit, because
0: they told But they it. don't know that.
1: Yeah. So of course they're gonna pay for more and more more of his services then because he got it right.
0: Mm-hmm. So then in nineteen eighty six, uh the narcotics commander, uh Alarson, introduces Adolfo to the Calzada family. And at ta at the time they were one of Mexico's top narcotics cartels. He very much won them over immediately. And by 1987, he was making uh, so much money, he paid for a $60,000 condo in Mexico City in cash, bought a fleet of expensive cars. When he wasn't working for the Calzadas or other high-profile clients, he was running other scams. At one point, he posed as a DEA agent, and he ripped off another cocaine dealer from another country who was trying to come into Mexico, and then he would sell the cocaine through his police contacts at a lower rate. Because it didn't matter to him because he got it for free.
1: Right, right, right. He's just making money anyway.
0: In in just a year's time, he believes that he's the reason the Calzada family is doing so well. April of 1987, he tells the Calzada family, make me a partner in the cartel. Oh. And they refuse. Yes. On the surface, he takes the rejection, normal, but he begins plotting revenge. At the end of that month, April 30th, 1987, Guillermo Calzada and six members of his family go missing. They are reported missing the next day. And the police find candles all over the house, signs of a religious ceremony. Oh. Within the week, six days later, they begin finding the mutilated remains in the Zampango River. Oof. Seven bodies re- are recovered, all horrifically tortured. Fingers, ears, toes removed, heart and genitals cut out, pieces of spine torn out of the body two corpses were missing their brains not all of this was done while they were dead
1: so what did he did he just sacrifice them or is he using their body parts for like something he absolutely is sacrificing them okay
0: all those missing parts that they couldn't recover yeah went into his cauldron his ganga <laughs> his ganga mm-hmm And he was ready to dive into really doing human sacrifices at this point. But he felt like he was missing something. Mm -hmm. He wanted a partner. And he had already spotted her. So now we talk about La Madrina. Sarah Maria Aldredi Villarreal. She was born September 6, 1964, to an electrician in Matamoros, Mexico. She had a pretty normal childhood. Um. She was able to attend school in the U.S. and she's remembered pretty well into her teen years, um, in Brownsville, Texas, as just model student, straight A kid. She ended up going to a secretarial school, and all of her teachers there told her, "Yeah, you should go to a regular college. No. You're you're much better than where you so are
1: right that. now." she was on a on a fast track to being a great person. But
0: somehow she ended up with Adolfo. But we'll get there. Uh, and she was going to. Um, Halloween of 1983, she meets a man by the name of Miguel Zacharias. He was 30 years old and she was 19. They got married immediately. And she kind of let school fall to the wayside. And then five months later, they're on the path to getting a divorce. Uh. Um, This kind of bops her back for about two years. Mm. In 1985, she applies for and is given resident alien status in the U.S. She enrolls in Texas Southmost College, which is a two-year school in Brownsville, Texas. She gets into a work study program that's paying for part of her tuition. She begins starting classes in January 1986. She's studying physical education and has two part-time jobs as an aerobics teacher and an assistant secretary in her school's athletic department. Get it,
1: sis? Super,
0: like she's also like super tall, like six foot tall, like stacked. Oh, damn. um, six foot one actually, I believe. And um obviously super it. athletic, very attractive woman. Mm. By the end of her first semester, she is back to being a rock star in school again. Her grades are super excellent. She's chosen as one of the top thirty-three students out of sixty, five hundred on campus and listed in her school's Who's Who directory in nineteen eighty-seven. Aside from grades that have her in the honor roll, she organizes and leads the booster team for the soccer team. She wins the school's Outstanding Physical Education Award in her spare time. Um, even though she didn't take a- partake in any sports, it was obviously she loved being active and contributing to her school's athletic department. Um, after she leaves her husband, though, she moves back in with her parents And is it Matamoros? Listen, I'm just going to say these words wrong all night, y'all. Um, as she was an adult, She decided that she wanted her own way in and out of her house, so she built a special outdoor stairwell to her bedroom. So not only is she smart, but she's also, like, handy. Yeah,
1: she's a carpenter and everything. Oh, my God. I'm
0: like, this is the (laughs) lesbian fantasy going on in my brain right now. Uh, She she came home most weekends and school vacations, and then she transferred to a four-year school with the intention of getting a physical education teaching certificate. So... This is a tall, gorgeous lady. Mm. So obviously a lot of men are interested. And she began dating a man by the name of Gilberto Sosa, a drug dealer connected to the very powerful Hernandez family. Oh, okay. And things were going well for them. That is until July 30th, 1987. Sarah is driving through Matsumoto's when a shiny Mercedes cuts her off, almost causing an accident. Mm. The driver was apologetic, charismatic, and handsome. Oh, God. And his name was Adolfo Constanza. Of
1: course it was.
0: There was an instant attraction, but he didn't make any moves. He was very happy to see that both Sarah and his mother were born on the same day. He thought (sighs) it was a sign that he had chosen the right one. Of course. Because, see, that meeting wasn't accidental at all. Adolfo had his eyes on Sosa. And he wanted to make a drug connection now that he had just murdered the Casadas. Mm-hmm. So he set up a very carefully staged accident after watching. So um, was he st- Sosa, and uh, Sarah.
1: So he was like stalking, kind of, yeah, for like the longest time. He was like, I'm going to make my move today.
0: Okay. Well, in fact, everything about their friendship in the beginning was staged. Um, he 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 recognized that Sarah was very smart. And he was like, I need to bring her into the religion. But he wanted to do it slowly, so it didn't scare her. And he wanted to do it without making Sosa mad. So about two weeks after the accident, he meets Sarah in Brownsville, across the border. Mm. And Sosa's there too. He refuses to shake Sosa's hand. Which is total disrespect.
1: Anywhere. Anywhere you go, that's disrespectful.
0: (laughs) Everywhere in the world. Yes. Then... Same night, Sosa gets an anonymous phone call telling him that Sarah is cheating on him.
1: <clears throat> is this Adolfo?
0: I, it, I think he had somebody else do it. Mm. Obviously, not him, since they had just met that day. Right, right. Um, supremely jealous, he refuses <clears throat> to believe her and he breaks up with her. Oh. She turns to her new friend, Adolfo, for solace and he tells her, Yes, I foresaw this and my tarot
1: card. Look, can I just say you you, you got a beautiful tall woman <laughs> who is very athletic and and someone says that she's cheating on you. Like,
0: like you could, yeah, could just be like, "Listen, that's all right, girl." That's,
1: I'd probably be like, "You know it's, it's okay. You know, I I believe you. you you say you didn't do it." Okay, that's fine.
0: <laughs> uh, so they spend a little bit more time together and the two do become intimate now that she's single. Mm. But it's short-lived as Adolfo is like, listen, I prefer men. And Sarah's like, <sighs> all right. Because at this point, she's super into the religion. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, he is. He is He's gay. very gay. So why is he going after? Why did he think, go after her? I think he wanted
0: her for her stature and her smarts. Ugh. I think I think she was like a little bit of a bear. What's that? Not a bear. Um, what they call that when like, a a straight person marries a gay person oh i have no So you can hide there's a name for it there's
1: a name for it i'd have to to google it but but
0: that's (laughs) i I think that's i think he kind of wanted her for that so physically like when they met with like some of these families Mm -hmm. they looked like Mm -hmm. hot guy hot girl um also she was just very very smart um and she was super into the religion like all the stuff he was showing her she was really into by the end of that summer she would she changed she was already an expert on the occult and witchcraft Um, in private he began calling her La Madrina the godmother of the cult he would build
1: Um,
0: he got her to give up information about the Hernandez gang telling her the leader is going to come to you for advice for a problem And then, when the leader, Ilio came to her in November of 1987, she introduced him to her El Padrino.
1: Of course. So he had that stage, probably.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: This just sounds like a bad 90s movie.
0: Listen, everything (laughs) this guy did was, like, super creepy clever. This was the perfect timing, though, because the Hernandez family was in the middle of internal fighting and struggles over threats from outside competition. Adolfo used every magic trick he had to coerce the family that Palo Mayambe would solve all of their problems. He promised the whole shebang that he could eliminate their enemies using sacrifices. And if they were faithful to Adolfo as his disciples, they'd become invisible to the authorities. All he needed was 50% of the business.
1: And they agreed. Of course. Well, they were dumb too, but...
0: So after this, he moves his cult to a ranch, which is called Rancho Santo Elena. It's about twenty minutes outside of Matamoros, and that this is kind of when things get very sadistic. Um, May to twenty eighth, nineteen eighty eight, he shoots a drug dealer Hector de la Fuente and a farmer named uh, Moisés. It's M O I S E S Castillo. I know the last name, but the first name's a little peculiar to me. Hmm. He took a trip to Mexico City where he supervised the torture and dismemberment of Raul Escavel, the former lover of cult member Jorge Montes, That was just
1: personal. Of course, yeah. He was like, eh, you did that. Mm, use- Jorge's one of my boyfriends, yeah. so stop that.
0: <clears throat> um, those remains were dumped on a public street and found by children. Oh. He felt that mutilation and pain were necessary for his work. He stated that the demons he served were more likely to be happy with the sacrifice if his victim died in pain.
1: Yeah, cause, because you're feeding, like, an evil spirit. and like,
0: directly, he said, they must die screaming. That is a direct
1: quote. Yeah, you're feeding, like, oh, my God. Your evil spirit is calling for your dead bodies. So yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. No, okay. No, it makes logical sense, yeah, honestly. Obvi- uh, yeah, obviously. It was just like. <laughs> also,
0: 1988, he begins sodomizing all of his victims before they are tortured and killed.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, I'd throw that in there for a nice effect.
1: Great. fantastic.
0: <laughs> in August... On August 10th, 1988, in response to an $800,000 drug ripoff, a rival gang kidnaps um, Ovidio Hernandez and his two-year-old son. Adolfo's cut, a cult, kidnaps a stranger two days later and tortures him to death at uh, Santa Elena while praying for the release of Hernandez and his son. The hostages are released on August 13th no ransom money has been handed over and he took full credit for this so uh, saying that the stranger that we we obviously you, tortured them the right way because they were immediately returned Oh yeah of course no harm done to them at all
1: did they say why they released it not at all nope my god
0: at this point he's becoming a living god He's getting so big that he didn't seem to even care at all when one of his disciples committed suicide and murdered his entire family in September of that year. Then in November, one of his members, who was an ex-cop, broke Adolfo's drug ban. So Adolfo made him the next sacrifice to Kadian Bembe as a lesson to the rest of the cult. No drugs. I said no drugs. Oh, right.
1: Yeah, I remember this part. And he had like the actual like the cult members um he
0: had the cult members kill one of the other cult members because the man had used drugs yeah he murdered competing smuggler ezekiel luna on valentine's day in 1989 then two other dealers were added to that ceremony when they showed up at the ranch uninvited
1: oh oh. they thought
0: they were going to do something that day and they all got murdered
1: no that's like showing up to my that my house without being like let me know first. Like mm-hmm. you gotta call first before you head over, or else you're gonna well, die.
0: Nineties after that, they kidnapped a stranger who they said they didn't list the name, but they said that he put up such a fight that Ilio Hernandez had to shoot him. Oh. Yeah. So somebody put up a fight. On February twenty fifth, the cultists accidentally kidnapped Jose Garcia, um, Ilio Hernandez's fourteen year old cousin and killed him before they realized their mistake. <sighs> but remember at this point like aldolfo is just such a he's huge mm-hmm. so he's like godly to these people so like whatever whatever we did it was you know it was it was the way it was m- must have had to be done
1: this is the way
0: you know if if you know Ilya hernandez 14 year old cousin got killed that must be because that's what you know the, the demons want it. Mm-hmm. So it's like I said, it's, it's 1989. Um, he's sitting on about 800 kilos of marijuana. He's stolen from another gang. He felt like he needed another sacrifice to guarantee its safe passage into Texas. So on March 13th, 1989, he grabs another stranger. But he finds that sacrifice is not sufficient. He told his members, bring me someone I can use. Someone who will scream. The next morning, March 14th, 1989, they brought him Mark Kilroy, the mistake that would bring down absolutely oh. everything Adolfo built.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because, can, can, I, can I say, or are you going to say?
0: I am. I'm going to say, too. But okay.
1: Yeah, because he was an American. He was an American. He, he was a white man. He was a tourist. And...
0: That was a big mistake. Yes. Now, I haven't mentioned a whole lot about where this took place, but I feel like I should. Uh, matamoros mexico is a really popular spring break destination it's right across the rio grande river from brownsville texas which is a huge college area Mm -hmm. Um, this has been a popular college destination like a college tourist destination since the 1930s it has all the illicit things that border towns have prostitution sex shows alcohol drugs crime and every spring Roughly 250,000 college kids descend on the area after finals to party their asses off in a foreign country. Like you do. Now, those who showed up in March of 1989 were not aware that in the past two months, just January and February, the city had logged 60 disappearances. We don't know that they would have cared because college kids are kind of foolish. <laughs> But one of those students who showed up was Mark Kilroy. He was a pre-med junior from the University of Texas. He had been out partying with his friends when they lost track of each other in Matamoros in the early hours of March 14th, 1989. His friends reported his disappearance immediately to local police. Mm. Unlike the other people who'd been reported missing over the last 10 weeks, Kilroy was a white man and he had connections. Uh, He had an uncle who worked for U.S. Customs. And immediately the family puts up a $15,000 reward for any information leading to his safe recovery. The media brings up the disappearance and murder of a man by the name of Enrique Camarena four years prior that had involved narcotics traffickers. Uh So the, the media immediately goes, remember four years ago when that one guy got kidnapped and killed and he was grabbed by narcotics?
1: They're uh, pu- traffickers, they're putting the pieces to the puzzle together
0: already. The police heat was instant, and it was not something Adolfo or his cult were at all prepared for because no one had even cared when he'd killed the Calzada family. Like, honestly, that's because people down there didn't get mad over war between criminals, mm-hmm. they were like, Listen, you know, you fight with the bull you get the horns like y'all are both drug dealers eventually one of y'all is gonna die right yeah so that's kind of how they looked at it but kilroy wasn't a criminal not only was he just an innocent student but his death was going to threaten mexico's tourism industry and it was at this point like even right after it happened on the verge of becoming an international news story so mexico was like no 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 we cannot have this and american officials were like We'll let you investigate, but we're keeping an eye on things. Mm -hmm. So uh, Matsumoros began an intense and very illegal interrogation process, which involved picking up drug dealers at clubs and using carbonated water that was laced with hot sauce and spraying it up the nostrils. (laughs) They did this to 127 different criminals. It must feel awful. to spray bubbly, (laughs) spicy things up your nose. I don't know why they did this, but this is what they did.
1: Is it like a torture thing?
0: I guess so. That's that's, Um, that's weird. They also held some of the people who were just fugitives in prison, but none of them had actually seen Kilroy, so no one had any information to give them. Mm. Um, Adolfo was a little worried about the intensity of the police intervention, but he was still rather arrogant, and he had 800 kilos of marijuana to move, so he was gonna move it. (laughs) Um, for extra protection, he staged one final sacrifice at the ranch, choosing La Madrina's ex-boyfriend, Hilberto uh. Sosa, killing him March 28th, 1989, and then the drugs were safely sent to America April 8th, and he collected $300,000 for his work and congratulated himself on being an incredible bruja.
1: Let me pat myself on the back real quick. Mm-hmm.
0: At the same time, Mexican police are busy working through like another anti-drug campaign. Kind of like how America's had the war on drugs for forever. Mm -hmm. Mexico goes through cycles of the war on drugs. So they're sweeping districts for smugglers, setting up roadblocks, doing random truck searches, things of that nature. Um, What this did was allow them to keep the drug lords safe, which are the people who are lining their pockets. And it picks up the lower level members of the games and puts them in prison. Which makes the people happy, like they're doing something. Mm -hmm. However, in this case, one of the people they pick up in the sweep is a minor drug dealer named Serafin Hernandez Garcia, the 20-year-old nephew of Elio Hernandez. On April 1st, Serafin had driven through a police checkpoint, completely unaware of the fact that the cops are on the highway, like not even thinking about this, (laughs) just... They go to stop him, and he gets chased to a run-down ranch full of occult items and marijuana.
1: Wait, so he wasn't even a part of the cult. He just ran and <laughs> made it there. He knew
0: about it. He knew about it.
1: But he wasn't in it.
0: Ooh, no, no,
1: no, no. Wait till
0: you find out more about oh, what he knew. Oh, okay. So April, so it takes him about a week to get, I guess, like, the warrant, or whatever they needed legally to come do a search of the property. Mm. They return April 9th. I will remind you of the timeline here. He, he was... April 8th is the day that Adolfo leaves the ranch. They are one day off from finding him. Mm. But they return. They arrest Hernandez and another drug dealer who's still there, David Cernavaldez. Valdez. In custody, the two were kind of relaxed, almost defiant. The police try to interrogate them, but they tell the police officers, no, 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 there's nothing you can do to us. We've, we're protected by a higher power, well above the laws of man.
1: Yes, because Adolfo told them that they were protected from the police.
0: Mm-hmm. The police only had a little bit of time, so they turned their attention to a ranch caretaker. The caretaker um, named a few other members of the Hernandez family who sometimes come there, And told them it was called Rancho Santa Elena. And then they showed the caretaker a picture of Mark Kilroy, but they didn't tell him, they didn't tell the guy who he was. Mm -hmm. And the caretaker was like, Oh, yeah, I saw him there once. And that was all they needed. Uh They returned to the prison with this information. Seraphim is like, All right, then, I was there, I helped kidnap and kill him. He told them he'd been involved in many ritual killings over the past year, telling the police that they used human sacrifices to protect drug deals.
1: Oh, yeah. He was talking to ass off.
0: Oh, it gets worse. Her, then uh, Serafin says the leader of the cult is El Padrino, the master of Palo Mayombe. Oh, my God. And he also tells them that El Padrino likes to sodomize the victims and then harvest their organs after the cult leader kills, the cult members kill them.
1: Well, and at a quinkening. We got so many of these bodies that have been sodomized. <laughs> sodomized. Well, they don't have any of the bodies. I know. Yet. I know.
0: So the police go, well, what if we take you to the ranch? So both uh, Hernandez and Valdez go there and Hernandez shows them where the cult has a private cemetery. Which they dig up and find 12 bodies, all men, some shot at close range, others hacked to death by machetes, oh. but they found the one they were looking for, Mark Kilroy. His skull was split open and his brain was missing. The detectives continue searching the property where they find the shed.
1: Oh, what's the Nganga.
0: Yes, they did. They found the Nganga brimming with blood and animal remains. Mm. Had 28 sticks in it, one for each member of the cult to use to communicate with the spirits of the afterlife. There were many items in the pot scorpions, spiders, organs. But they did eventually find Mark Kilroy's brain. Um, with this information, I think the police realize this isn't a regular guy. We are hunting for someone who's very delusional, mm-hmm. very wealthy, mm-hmm. well connected, and surrounded by people who are devoted to him and willing to die for him. The only thing they couldn't figure out was, where is he? <laughs> oh, just to Like, he, he was company. here yesterday.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Well, let's bounce back to April 9th. Remember that whole protective shield of magic he promised people? <laughs> it sort of ended that day. Um, and four members of the Hernandez family are caught smuggling before they could bring back the rest of the cash from that big $800,000 deal. They fully search the ranch on April 11th, and they find 15 victims over the course of the next six days. Besides those first 12, they find three more in a nearby orchard. Adolfo is on the run with Sarah and his two male lovers, Martin and Omar, and the Hernandez family hitman named uh, Alvaro de Leon Valdez, and his nickname is just El Dubai. Their initial plan was to go to Miami, but friends and the police tell him that the DEA has always already been informed that his mom lives in Miami. So the U.S. police are already swarming Florida, thinking you're going to come here. The discoveries at the ranch are big news in the United States. Like, in fact, Geraldo Herrera airs a special, like, primetime 8 p.m. show about this case and the ranch. Journalists from all over the world are flying down to Matamoros to do stories about Adolfo and the cult. Now, like most things that happen when it becomes a news story in the United States, that messes things up so much. Once it was on TV, police are inundated with calls about sightings. Of Adolfo all over the states. Some people saw they saw him in Chicago with the Windy City gang. People are claiming they saw Sarah near schools looking for white children to sacrifice. Oh, my God. For the 10 of her, her disciples who are currently in prison. Uh-huh. Yes. It actually said like the gringo children. An alternative church that just was like anti-Christianity what? actually got burned down in far Texas because there was a rumor spread that they were actually witches aligned with Adolfo's cult. Oh my God. Like all I could say is like looking through like some of these articles says this was a total shit show. Yeah. It was crazy. But the Mexican police were like, no, we don't think he's in America. We think he's still in Mexico. And they were right. Now the police in, in Texas did do something good. So Serafin Hernandez, senior, Got arrested at a safe house in Houston, Texas, and they seized weapons and cash, but found no occult items there. so they now have two higher level well, they have a higher level Hernandez mm-hmm. and a
1: lower level Hernandez who's just talking just talking They're running at the mouth
0: mhm, but they were very much mystified that El Padrino and his closest allies had vanished. Mm. almost like magic. You knew I had to do it. (laughs) Listen, you're not the only one who can make crappy puns. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, um, in hiding, Aldolfo is reading his tarot cards and he reads that he's been betrayed. That's April 18th, 1989, the day after Serafin Sr. Mm. gets caught. Okay. At that point, he's like, okay, Serafin Sr. sold me out. And now he's just thinking of all of his drug dealer friends and he doesn't trust any of them. But you shouldn't. He keeps an Uzi on him at all times, only sleeping for like a couple minutes at a time. He tells his followers with him, You can't leave me. They cannot kill you, but I can. Um, hmm. On April 22nd, local arsonists burn Rancho Santo Elena specifically the area where the cult activity happened Mm -hmm. they burn that shed to the ground adolfo is watching on tv and he is enraged not only was it burned down but then the local police decide to do an on-air exorcism of the property Mm. Full on reading the rites, sprinkling holy water all over the field and the cemetery where the bodies were kept.
1: And I think they did that because they knew he was going to be watching somewhere. Yep.
0: That, that was, that's, that's like straight out of the pages of like Criminal Minds, the TV show, <laughs> doing something to make the killer so angry that they mess up. Like he smashed lamps, trashed the apartment they were staying in. Um, April 24th, that's two days later, Jorge Montes. Is out trying to steal things. He's not with Adolfo. At this point, all of the random cult members are kind oh, he, of scattered. Like, okay. Yeah, he's just trying to survive. He can't go back to where he's been living at the ranch, so he has nowhere else. So, interestingly enough, he gets caught about three blocks from where the Col- Calzetta family had been killed in 1986.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just like everyone else who'd been caught at this point, Montez tells them everything he knows. And like this time, he's just like, he's not even like, it's not Al Padrino. His name is Adolfo Constanza. He's my boyfriend. Oh, shit. April 27th, Adolfo and his four remaining friends, the only people he can trust, settle into their last safe house because he destroyed the other one in a fit of rage. Mm -hmm. This is an apartment in Mexico City. Sarah is actually kind of freaked at this point. And so she writes a note and throws it out of the bedroom window. And it says, Please call the judicial police and tell them that in this building are those that they are seeking. Tell them that a woman is being held hostage. I beg for this because what I want most is to talk or they are going to kill the girl.
1: Oh. A
0: local man finds this letter, but he thinks it's a prank. Of course. And he keeps it to himself. Yeah. He only They only find out about it after what goes down at the apartment goes down.
1: Oh, so he could have
0: upstairs adolfo's like all right we're gonna make a big move soon and we're gonna take this money that i have and we're gonna move to another area and start fresh new cult bring this all back up Mm -hmm. and he tells them they'll never take me everything goes fine for the next like week and a half um until may 6 1989 The police had been searching the city going door to door because there was a child missing in the neighborhood. It was a completely unrelated case. But Adolfo was so paranoid that when he saw the cops standing outside of the apartment building, he just panics and he opens fire on the police who are standing outside the apartment. Uh Within minutes roughly 180 cops swarm the building damn they return fire for about 45 minutes
1: he got instant five stars on gta for that
0: pretty much yeah (laughs) this is like in gta when you rob that bank and it's like the most stars you can have and it stays five stars for real long yeah
1: (laughs) that's what he got
0: (laughs) um Interestingly enough, like, I don't know if they were just all terrible shots or they were just good hiding spots because the only cops who got harmed in this whole process were the ones that Adolfo shot before they knew he was there.
1: Mm, okay. He was just just firing. He wildly. was just firing
0: randomly. Um, At some point after about 45 minutes, he realizes he's not going to be able to escape. So he hands his weapons to El Dubai and he says he gives Dubai new orders. Mm. So El Dubai told the police later. He told me to kill him and Martin. I told him I couldn't do it, but he hit me in the face and threatened that everything would be bad for me in hell. Then he hugged Martin, and I just stood in front of them and shot them with a machine gun. By the time uh, the police stormed the apartment, uh, Adolfo and Martin were dead, slumped over in a closet. Um, Adolfo was dressed like he was just about to go out like for a beach day. Of course. Pretty normal. Um, El Dubai... Oreo and Sarah were arrested and put in jail. El Dubai happily told the police, I killed them, but the Godfather will not be dead for long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course, the Mexican court system is less worried about the rise of zombie Adolfo. And they were like, how do we pin all these cult murders on Mm -hmm. these
1: three people? Yeah. Yeah.
0: El Dubai's case was simple. He had already admitted to killing Adolfo and Martin, but Sarah was posing herself as a victim. And she leaned real hard into it. Hmm. She said she didn't see Adolfo die. She hadn't seen any of those 15 victims murdered. She had no idea who Mark Kilroy was. She told them that she'd only learned about the murders on TV when Adolfo had like pulled her and taken her away. Like I learned about it with you and the rest of the nation. Um, I think where she made her mistake was probably answering too many questions. And she made it aware that she knew entirely too much about the cult's rituals Mm -hmm. to be considered completely innocent at this point. Right. The newspaper's um, articles I looked at defined her as being very charming when she was interviewed publicly about the crimes. But uh, there was an article in the Los Angeles Times, and they got someone from the Mexican attorney general's office to talk to them, completely anonymous. And he said, she's not what you think um he he the person who their their you know anonymous source told them that sarah had different personas her camera persona denied all wrongdoing or even knowledge of the killings but then when she talked to them in private to the police she was knowledgeable and she gave detailed information about things that the cult did but she also requested mercy mm. and then they said there was a third persona that they only noticed when she thought she was alone and talking to herself.
1: Uh-oh.
0: When the in- when she was alone they said it was like she had lost touch with reality and they started referring to that third persona as the witch thinking that was more of who she really was. Hmm. So when she was with the police she was trying to be <coughs> extra helpful and hoping that they would take like pity on her and give her some mercy since she was giving them information. Right. right. Publicly I think she was trying to maybe skew the jury. Mm-hmm. And make her seem like a victim.
1: But she's smart, so...
0: And then by herself, like, she's talking to herself in her cell, not realizing there's cameras, people are always listening. Right, right. Um, with all this ma- information, they do manage to detain about 14 cult members, all who get indicted on multiple weapons charges, narcotics charges, murder, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, you name it. Uh... But the trials were um, full of some real interesting testimony. I'm just going to read one of the quotes for you. Um, Carlos Tapia, he was the chief deputy of Cameron County, Texas. Um, he said, I thought in my 22 years of law enforcement, I had seen everything. I hadn't. As we drew near, you could smell the stench. Blood and decomposing organs in a big cast iron pot where pieces of human bodies and a goat head with horns. Mm. So it's kind of hard to be like, I had no idea what happened here when the foul smell from the sacrifice it's in the air shed could be smelled from the road.
1: That's terrible. Oh my God. Mm.
0: But first, uh, uh, Dubai was convicted of killing Adolfo Castanza and Martin Quintana and received a 35 year sentence. Then of uh, the cultists, uh, Juan Fragasa and Jorge Montes were both convicted of killing Raul Esquivel and given 35 years, that was Montez's ex-boyfriend, the Mm. one that they brutally murdered. Right. Um, Omar (laughs) Oreo died from AIDS before he could be sentenced. Then we move on to Sarah Aldrete. Oh, here we go. So she was acquitted of Adolfo's murder, but she was sentenced in 1990 with the, I've never heard of this before, but it's called criminal association. And she got a six year sentence.
1: Hmm. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Essentially, they were saying, we can't prove that she did anything, but she knows too much. Right. So. So it was called Criminal Association. She was put in prison for six years.
1: Guilty by association? However,
0: the local, like the jury and the locals didn't believe her story about not knowing what was going on. Mm -hmm. So while she's in prison for her first charge, she gets charged with murder alongside four other members of the cult. And they give her 62 years this time in 1994. Now, do you remember Ilio Hernandez and Sarah Finn Jr.? Mm-hmm. Who both just sang like canaries. Yes. You would think that maybe that would give them a lesser. No. Nope. nope. 67 <laughs> years for both of them. <laughs> nice. Mexico does not apparently give a damn if you testify against your friends. In the States and in Canada, we'd be making deals. <laughs> You give say, up information. You just helped us nope. out,
1: but guess what? Fuck not, you anyway. <laughs> nope, not in Mexico. I love it. It's fantastic.
0: And then here's the best part. So Sarah's currently still in prison. And there's been talks of potentially paroling her or whatever. Oh,
1: right, right now?
0: In in the past. like oh, okay. you know, She's still in prison, yeah. Okay. I mean, she's given a 62-year sentence in yeah. 1994. Yeah, so okay. she's set to be in prison for quite some time. I know she got all But here's the best part. The United States has made it very clear if she... Or Ilio Hernandez or Seraphin Jr. are released before their sixty years, their like sixty-seven year sentences are done. Mm. They absolutely intend to extradite them to America and prosecute them again. This time for Mark Kilroy's death.
1: Oh damn! Yes, there you go. Because
0: that one has never been done yet. Really? Because so they didn't. They didn't know. They didn't want to double jeopardy it. What do you... They got them for other crimes. Wait,
1: wait, wait. In did... Mexico.
0: Did they... America hasn't had a chance to charge them for a crime against an American.
1: But Mexico, they tried to charge They did it already?
0: What's interesting, too, because three of the bodies that they found on the ranch couldn't be identified. Okay. So those three, they couldn't be charged. Like, obviously, a murder happened, but we don't
1: know who these people are. Right. Oh, God. So if they get out... Ugh. And like, but if they
0: get out in, like, 30 more years, like, America's like, no, 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 no. We will gladly put her in jail again.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: which is, it, it makes you feel good. Bad guys got caught, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like it's over.
1: It's not over, is it? <laughs>
0: well, it's not over because, see, they only found 15 bodies on the ranch. And remember how I said up to that point they had already had 60 disappearances? Mm-hmm. Um, There were a host of cult-related crimes that continued in that city. In fact, while in prison, Sarah said, I don't think the religion will end with us because there are a lot of people still in it.
1: Yeah, that's usually how cults work.
0: They found a temple in Monterey that wasn't related to us. This will continue. And she was kind of right because between 1987 and 1989, Mexico City police reported 74 unsolved ritual killings. 14 of them involved infants. Oh. Alfonso's cult is only suspected of 16 of those cases. Um, a lot of them involve children or teenagers, but there's just not enough evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prosecutor who, um, against the cult, his name is uh, Guillermo Ibarra, said, We would like to say, yes, Costanzo did all of them. And poof, all of those cases are solved. The fact is, we believe he was responsible for some of them, though we'll never prove it now. Right. But he didn't commit all of those murders, which means somebody else did. Someone who is still out there. And um, cult activity is something that still happens in 2021.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's still going on.
0: Like I said, I did mention earlier before I started the main source material for this section today are both two books from the same author, Edward Humes, uh, buried secrets, a true story of drug running, black magic and human sacrifice. And then buried secrets, a true story of serial murder, as well as uh, a book called evil serial killers, the minds of monsters by Charlotte Greek. Ooh, But yeah, that was my first, my first cult.
1: Great job. Great job.
0: Intense. but Like I said, like if you really are into the gore, and and the horror aspect of the story you will find it in those books oh yeah it's just i didn't want to do that kind of a podcast I,
1: we're not that kind of podcast this is kind of clean but it's sort of clean not really clean we talk about everything but you know not that kind of stuff <laughs>
0: Yeah, just brutal.
1: i don't know how to explain it
0: <laughs> but now i totally want to like look up Catman, because that didn't come up in any of my I, I, I think that's
1: what his name was. I forget what, they, what his name was. One nick- of the names of one of the cult members? Yeah, what his nickname was, because that's the only one I actually remember. Of course you did. You love cats. I do not love cats. Cats suck. Who are you talking about?
0: Well... Now that we talked about people who thought they were talking to demons, let's uh, talk about some people who actually talked to demons. I mean, it's
1: kind of the same. People who think they're talking to demons, too.
0: I feel like Ed was actually doing something and
1: not sacrificing. This is true. He wasn't sacrificing people.
0: But he probably dealt with places where people did the kind of stuff that Aldofa Costanzo did. I mean, I feel like that kind of stuff like destroys a property. Can you imagine, like, buying the ranch? I right. don't think I would.
1: No, not at all.
0: i That's the kind of thing that I would have to have people come through and be like, all right, mediums, can this area be fully cleansed of the horrors that happen here? <sighs> and if they say no, I'm like, guess we got to find another house.
1: Definitely. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I knew I forgot to do something. Hold on. One what second. What did you forget to do? Just to make a note. Oh. Okay, never mind. I did make a note. Okay. Okay,
0: then. <laughs> so, I am ready. Okay, okay. Like, okay. you said last week was, like, a gift to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love the Warrens, so. Well, here we go.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I'll give you another gift this week. All right. By finishing up this. Okay. And, who knows, maybe down the line, I'll cover another one of your cases, but I'm only doing one today because this is a long one, and there are some other things I want to talk about after this, too. So... well we're back with part two uh the Warrens. uh just a recap for those who didn't listen to the first the first part of this
0: that would be podcast 11 about uh fulan
1: uh yeah fulan fulan de v there you go
0: and i think i called it fulan de v uh the bandit queen and america's favorite demonologist
1: yes that was the name of it uh fulan uh anyway <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna um wait hold on goodness i skipped oh, all <laughs> way down my notes i'm sorry oh i got glasses for no reason okay so any like i was, like i was saying whoever didn't listen to the first part um i just went into the background of these paranormal researchers um and hopefully um i'm not have to go any further into their backgrounds um so i can just jump into the good stuff Things we
0: talked about like how they met and and when yeah. okay so because lorraine is clairvoyant yes that was an important distinction because i always just thought of her as a medium
1: no she's yeah she's clairvoyant slash sensitive like you know, okay she, yes um there is something i want to mention uh, okay that i missed last week okay that was in the book um so after recording last week i went home and (laughs) and i watched the conjuring 2 oh and um well i fell asleep multiple times trying to watch it i wanted some motivation to finish writing this so okay i was like let me watch something scary oh the conjuring 2 is on netflix let me watch that so I, throughout the movie you'll see um an evil spirit demon who is that looks like a nurse right uh, the nun. I mean, not a nun, a nun the nun yes the nun from the movie the nun um now she's referenced in the book uh, not her but this it just reminded me of something that um happened to ed when he was a child so um Early in his life, he would have dreams of a nun. And he would go to his father and, you know, and he describes, you know, what this nun looks like in detail. And he's like, Oh, that's your aunt. Okay. And,
0: well, that's nice. Yeah.
1: Like he never met her before she died. Um, a
0: lot of kids talk that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like Cassandra.
0: <laughs> Does she talk about family members?
1: <laughs> oh, yes.
0: My one cousin used to do that. She would talk about my grandpa. She actually get mad at him. Oh, yeah. We would hear her in the other room being like, I just want to play. Can you leave me alone? And he I guess he wanted to talk to her and she was not having it. Mm-hmm. And then one night I was staying on the couch and she came over to me and I was like sleep. Everybody was sleep. It was like middle of the night. And she was just like, can I lay with you, too? And I was like, too. We're just going to pretend nothing's here and nobody's here yeah sure just lay next to me I mean, leave a space whoever
1: lay wherever you want to I don't care Whatever yeah is.
0: <laughs> yeah. she saw a lot of things when she was little
1: Oh scary goodness. so uh, the important part in the story is that she speaks to him in one of, in one of these dreams and she mm-hmm. tells him that he will tell many priests the right road to, to go down but hmm. he will never be a priest himself oh okay and he never did become one. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah, that was just a nice little premonition thing, that premonition dream that his dad. Well,
0: it wasn't him. a premonition from him, it was a premonition from his family. Yeah. So, so he's still not clairvoyant.
1: Oh, you, okay, but still.
0: I'm just thinking about uh, things. Yes, okay. Thinking out loud
1: over here. So, okay. So before I start the story, do you know what clinical lycanthropy is?
0: I know what lycanthropy is. I didn't know there was a...
1: Okay. (laughs) What? Well, for those of you who don't know, it's a rare psychiatric syndrome. It's, It's also called a delusional misidentification of the self. So basically, the person suffering from this either thinks they can or have turned into a werewolf or that they are a wolf. Oh, no. Yes. That
0: sounds like a bad time.
1: So yeah. That's uh that's a thing. Um now what if the person in question is suffering from something else like demonic possession?
0: Well, one thing and, that I do know from watching a little bit of their stuff and hearing from them is that they normally requested that people go through all the like normal channels mm-hmm. like um Go to a therapist. You know, go to a doctor before you come to us. Right. Get your house inspected by a plumber. You know, think about, like, go through all of the normal channels before we come to your house. Mm-hmm. Because some of that stuff can be
1: yeah, it's-
0: explained away by mental illness. Exactly. So, I mean, so this is after all of that has been exhausted.
1: Yeah. So... And, like, what if it's demonic possession and, like, the demon makes this person act like a beast, a wolf in this case? Well. Oh, I definitely have never heard of this case before. I will tell you a tale. <laughs> and you decide what you believe. All right. All right. So, I'm just going to start. Yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. It's December 5th, 1983. A young police officer is getting ready for his shift. He's brand new to the force. Like, this is his very first day.
0: Oh, like Leon Kennedy?
1: Like, no, not his very first day. His very first week. My bad. Um, on a job. Um, this morning, he feels like something is off. Like his wife, like she can sense it in him too. Okay. Because they have known each other for long. You know. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You know, when well, you know, you know, something's off, and you're just yeah, okay. <laughs> you and I haven't even
0: been together <laughs> that we, long, and we, we do this to each other. Yes. <laughs> what's wrong i can tell
1: yep <laughs> i just that's because i'm sensitive a little bit not really i'm just bullshitting but anyway
0: i'm not sensitive i'm just someone who is observant of the people around me
1: mm-hmm. so she of course asks him you know what's wrong and he says he just has a feeling and she's like well what kind of feeling and the only word he says is fear mm um but he assures her that you know it's just like a feeling so it's just it's it's nothing to worry about dear so
0: it's rough (laughs) because he's he's entering a job where he's actively seeking out danger Mm -hmm. also side note if you want to know a really interesting book from a cop who dealt with exorcisms I have that on my phone and it's know? a really interesting book. Ooh. It's very creepy and he's somebody who started out as like a non-believer and he just started seeing things when he was a cop in New York that he realized were definitely more than normal, like more than drugs and more than mental illness. Oh. And he ended up getting involved in exorcisms and stuff. It's a really cool book. That's pretty awesome. I could, I'll down, look it up Okay, tell yes. you at the end. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, it's his first week. He's entering a career where people can shoot at you. Mm-hmm. Fear is not unreasonable. This is true.
1: Um, so he has to work. Um, later that evening, a man named Bill Ramsey mm-hmm. is on his way back to the back to the the taxi company he works for. Um, he suddenly feels like a sharp pain in his chest, and he automatic he just pulls over, like to try to calm himself down. Um, He tries to compose himself, you know, but it just keeps getting worse. Like, his breathing is now ragged, and he's covered in cold sweat, and he thinks he's going to die. Oh, gosh. So, he puts his car in the drive, and he heads to the nearest ER. When he arrives in the parking lot, the pain just gets worse. This time, moving up his right arm, he finally makes it to the, the entrance of the ER, and he feels this freezing sensation growing from his legs up to his torso to torso. Okay. Um, the nurses see him and they're visibly worried. They get him on a stretcher and or gurney and they try to get him, you know, to a room. They're asking they're, you know, along the way they're asking if he's feeling okay now, if he's feeling any better. Um, he says, I guess so. And when he starts to feel a rump what is the face you're making i guess
0: so that is not what you should be asking a patient you're supposed to be asking well he's what is your pain level is it the sad face or is it the happy face oh sorry is the angry face or is it the happy face where are you on the scale of pain that's what they asked me when i went to the er
1: oh i did forget to mention all this is happening in london by the way oh uh, yeah i forgot to write it down That i Whoops. also Forgot that's to all right. remind myself to mention it, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm in <a> <laughs> <London>. England.
0: <laughs> okay, maybe in England they don't have the little happy face scale like we have in the United States. I'll allow it.
1: Oh <laughs> my goodness! But yeah, he says he guess so, and then he feels a rumbling in his stomach, like gas or you know whatever.
0: Horribleness. Yeah. Correct.
1: And soon it starts to travel up his body, and the whole time he could feel it just getting stronger and stronger. Oh. um
0: Feel terrible listening to this. What is going on?
1: Just wait. Just wait. So it finally makes it to his mouth and it comes out as a mighty roar. (laughs) Like a roar.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those demon roars you see on the TV shows.
1: Or a growl, yes. Um. So the nurses, they're shaking. Like they stumble back (laughs) just a little bit. And the feeling comes back into his stomach, like the rumbling. And when the roar comes out this time, he can feel his hands like they starts to, to curl into, like, claws or paws. Um, so what, and he, what does
0: this have to do with the cop?
1: And he even swipes at a nurse. So, like, they eventually get him, like, sort of settled down as soon as he is, like, laid back down um, on the gurney um sorry pages it's okay. he sits up and he bites one of the nurses arms yeah oh, no, he it's like really bad like her arm is like soaked in blood now oh my god so he was like locked onto her like a wild animal um so the other nurse runs off for help now our cop friend from earlier enters the scene apparently his shift was at the hospital oh no <laughs> He can hear the nurses screaming and an animal growling. Okay. But when he gets closer, he can see a crazed man cornering the nur- two nurses, you know, and like standing over them. Um, so the cop and an intern who I guess that had just shown up, uh, they make up a plan to strap the man down to the gurney. Um, they, of course, struggle with him. Um, Bill tries to bite the cop of and, course. you know, they finally get him strapped down. Now, the cop would go on to say that all he could think of when he saw the man was that he looked like a wolf. Okay. Yeah. Now, let's go back in time a little bit. (sighs) Okay. That was a great story, right?
0: This is terrible. (laughs) Don't like it.
1: Bill is nine years old here. He was a boy with with a very active imagination. Like any other child, of course, at okay. nine years old. Um, one day one day he's coming home from the movies. Um, he plans on playing pretend a little bit in his backyard. When he feels this coldness take over his body, he describes it as like if you walked into like a meat locker after like being outside in not in the hot sun. Okay, okay. And like just hits his body. Um gotcha. Oh, and guess what accompanies this coldness? Gonna you guess foul stench.
0: Oh, of course, of course. S- Ugh. Yeah. So, okay.
1: So, it, like, he he later describes it as. Um, he said later on in his life he he smelled uh to take back up or like sw- the sword back up. Ew. And oh,
0: we talked about that though last yeah. time about feces being the thing. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was the fart smell.
1: I mean, What's that? Sulfur.
0: Sulfur. You know, fart smell. But you you said it's
1: it's sulfur in the, the feces. You know, too. you said excrement yeah. and pee. Yeah. And
0: you would find pee in your house. <laughs> that's so. That's fe- like that's so. I mean, it's not just disrespectful demons. It's ex-
1: ex- excrement. So it's all that stuff.
0: I'm just saying, it's so disrespectful, demons. Really?
1: <laughs> oh goodness. So yeah, he he gets that foul stench uh, that he he said that later on in life, when he smelled a sore back up, that's the same smell he smelled when this happened to him. Um, he could tell something was different about him now, like as soon as that coldness came on him. There we go. But actually. The feeling and the smell go away for a little bit. Um, later at night, Bill is still outside. It's nighttime. It's dark outside. Mm-hmm. The stars are up <laughs> out. Okay. I mean, he's not playing at all. He's just standing there, staring at the stars. Okay. Um. And he can feel the coldness like rising up inside of him again. Okay. And he can also see like. Visions, like visions of a wolf just flash in his mind. And this in his is he's a baby.
0: He's a child.
1: He's nine. But yeah.
0: Now I have more things to worry about if my child presents weird <laughs> things. It's If your kid burns stuff, if they hurt animals, if they wet the bed, if they begin thinking they're a wolf. <laughs> what other things do I have to worry about might prove my child is nuts?
1: Everything.
0: Horrible. I <laughs> mean yeah, I should just not do that.
1: <laughs> oh goodness. Oh uh, so he hears his mom calling his name from the inside and he starts getting like getting irritated by her voice. Okay. Um so he turns to go in when he chips over a fence post. No, he's pissed. Because like, I, I'm irritated by all my voice. Now I'm going in to see what the hell she wants. Now I just fucking tripped over his fence post. Oh, hell no. Now I'm mad. So.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So. What he does is very rational thing for a nine-year-old, I think. So he rips the, pen, the fence post out of the ground and starts swinging it around.
0: He shouldn't have been able to do that at He's 9 those are normally like buried deeply into the ground.
1: Yes. He ripped out a deeply dug fence post from oh. the ground. Oh no. His mom's freaking out. His dad is you freaking out. You can stay out.
0: outside, fam. <laughs> no worries.
1: Oh my god, his mom is a pillow. They're both freaking out. Um at this point, he was he was tearing into the post. So, not only was he swinging it around, he was tearing into it, like, like, with his hands. He was trying to rip it apart, and then with his mouth, too. Um, His parents, they try to get, you know, closer to him. He he calms down a little bit, and he feels a rumbling.
0: (laughs) 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 Wait a second. If this already happened when he was just a child, he should have been aware of the rumbling (laughs) when it happened last time. I'm
1: just saying. Oh, goodness. Um... Where was that? Oh, yeah, he feels normally coming, and he just, and he, he growls at them. So, they went into the house, and they locked him out. Um, I think later on, that later on, he completely calms down, and the parents are like, I don't know if I'm going to let him in. <laughs> uh, but they eventually let him in, they hug it out, um, and nothing after that uh happen until he was until his trip to the er apparently. okay
0: wait 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 wait. yes we not going to stop by the doctor's office take him to a therapist or something he he was very violent like i i i need answers if this happens from my child
1: yeah um uh,
0: uh, well, it hasn't happened again, so I, that was just a one-time. Yeah, it's a one-time
1: thing. It a one-time
0: going... thing where what's his name again?
1: Bill. Bill Ramsey.
0: Bill just thought he was a monster for one night.
1: So, I got I got from different sources information. Um, so one source has this, one source doesn't have this. So I'm just going to gotcha. Um, so apparently after the ER, um. S- somehow, I feel like he- in
0: the ER they would have definitely pulled a psych consult,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Like they, they would have taken him to like somewhere. Yeah.
0: They wouldn't have just let him go.
1: No. Um. And so apparently he they let him. I don't know how because I didn't read the whole thing, but apparently after the ER he goes to turn himself in. Um.
0: Oh, he tries to get himself committed
1: after the ER. Yeah. Okay, and he picks up a prostitute on the way for reasons. Um, um,
0: oh, murder reasons.
1: Then no, then he has to. The, it doesn't say. It just said he picks up a prostitute, and he has to the. He has to the police station. Um, he demands to be locked up. He wolves out, and he takes out. A, it takes about six people this time to restrain him. So, either way.
0: Okay, here's my thing, and this really infuriates me. When the person who is freaking out is a white guy, cops will do everything in their power to subdue him without a gunshot. (laughs) This man killed his grandfather and cut off his ears and was like, Look at these ears. Oh, that's right, yeah. (laughs) And they were like, We gonna tase it. It took four cops to tase him and put him on the ground and cuff him. Oh my god. He murdered a man. At least here in this situation, this guy hasn't hurt anybody yet. Not yet. He's just being a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't shoot the weirdo. But like, for real, in my story the man murdered somebody and y'all we had to take him down. You shoot everybody else!
1: Yeah. Yeah. He sure as fuck do.
0: It's just very upsetting. It's fine. It just reminded me of the thing from earlier which made me mad again. What are you gonna do? Dave. Who knows?
1: We got Stockholm
0: syndrome from America. The fuck we do?
1: I'm about to get the fuck out of here. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go <laughs> with Can you. you honey?
0: I'll go with you, baby. All
1: right. Well, I guess yeah, I said no. I see the door open. I'm out. We talking about kid? <laughs> Someone kidnapped me and the door open. I'm not gonna stay there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I see what you mean.
1: I'm not going to make excuses for this place either. Hell no.
0: I don't. We'll have to talk about that another time. We'll have to cover some some Stockholm Syndrome cases.
1: Okay, but I'm just saying because I I just want to say
0: it's a it's a major psychological thing. Yeah. That but let's continue. So okay. Bill had another. Stuff, Bill <laughs> demands to go to he 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 wolfs out at the police station. Yes.
1: Okay. So either way, whichever story um is added to it, um he ends up going to um runwell mental hospital okay um so there are doctors there that run tests on him Mm -hmm. and the only like logical conclusion they can come up with Mm -hmm. was clinical lycanthropy
0: okay so they're just like this is a dude who thinks that he's a wolf
1: yeah like that's the only like reasonable thing
0: what does bill say about this when they're like, he's like something's wrong with me, right? Yeah, yeah. But is he saying I think I'm
1: a wolf? I think that's what he was telling them. Like okay. he sees pictures, he sees visions of the wolves. He feels like a wolf when this happens.
0: Okay, okay. Because I'm like, if this is just somebody who's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, and they're like, you obviously think you're a wolf. Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I, don't. I, I just know that something's not right.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I don't think it was like that. Um. So the media dubbed him. The werewolf of south end oh so if you look it up you, you you can look up the werewolf of south end i feel
0: like i've seen that title
1: you probably have
0: did he kill people i don't think so. it doesn't say because that's normally that's where the... my searches show names
1: yeah that's not the story i got okay um but if you look it up there's a book of course it's called werewolf a true story of demonic possession, and oh. it's by Bill Ramsey, Ed Warren, and Lu- and Lorraine.
0: Oh, so he helped right oh, oh so yeah. he was saved.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. God damn it. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, some of your stories you've given me false hope and things died. That poor dog oh, who got eaten by it? the Mothman <laughs> in like episode three. You I was I was like, you're like, oh I was like, yeah, he died from old age. And then literally he died 30 seconds later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know why it's so at least funny you, to here's me. a
0: story where somebody lived
1: oh my god it's still funny to me <laughs> oh okay anyway excuse me i hit my mic um poor dog so now we go to the u.s okay lorraine warren sees a documentary about this case and she has a different answer
0: Oh, so she immediately thinks that this is something otherworldly. Yes. Demons. Oh, wow. That's weird for them. That's right. They don't normally I, like go out of their way.
1: I know, right? This has got to be demonic possession. Um, So, they fly Bill out to Connecticut. Oh, they
0: bring him to their house. Yeah, this is
1: like... Okay, so this they're is,
0: doing a whole lot of things they don't normally do. This
1: is weird. So I'm um, not, no, they didn't bring him to their, their house though. So uh, like one part, I saw that they either went out or he came to them. But I'm thinking that it's true that he went to Connecticut, right? Um, and maybe hung out at a church. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they went to a church. Um, so he comes to Connecticut to get his exorcism done. Right. Really. Um, accompanied but I'm, I'm by
0: guessing it probably doesn't work the first time
1: now it does. it does oh really yeah um so he's accompanied by they're accompanied by a bishop um camera crew and police officers just in case you know he wolves out again yeah, yeah.
0: this is important
1: yeah um so bill begins and like when when they begin to you know start the exorcism Um, Bill begins to turn Um, he's fighting of course as they're you know they're trying to exercise the demon they they prayed to make this demon spirit leave his body Um, Bill finally feels that like the coldness that he's been experiencing suddenly like start leaving his body Um, and he can feel warmth again so finally, he leaves him. Um, after the exorcism, there there wasn't any more activity. So, oh, I mean, but you know, he was nine when it happened the first time, and then there wasn't anything. And then later on, like nineteen was it nineteen eighty three? I said, yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see, let's see. So maybe it was. A demon werewolf, pos- pos- or demon beast, an inhuman spirit, basically, um, possessing his body, because it don't have to be like an actual like werewolf, but you know what I mean. Oh um,
0: no, no, no! It's just
1: or like either it was a a werewolf or a demon possessing his body, or it was clinical lycanthropy.
0: But then, why would a uh, exorcism work?
1: I don't know. Oh, and...
0: Did he have a normal life after this?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay. Oh, I already mentioned the book. I was going to mention the book again, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, you said that you wrote a book with yeah, Ed and
1: the Ring. Yeah, it's called Werewolf, The True Story of Demonic Possession. Um, okay, so that's that's the story of, of Werewolf Possession. Okay. Um. So, you guys got your story. You guys got your little case. Um. I wanted to talk about some of the tea, if I can.
0: With the okay. Words. All
1: right. So, <laughs> did you, there is, of course, there are skeptics out oh, there. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and like you can't be a paranormal investigator without skeptics. Um, so in comes. I want to talk about this one society that uh, talked about the Warrens, and it's called the New England Skeptical Society. Oh. N-E-S-S. Ness. Okay. Uh, it's based in New England, of course. Of course. Um, where so
0: many of them are. Yeah. TAPS. The Warrens have a whole paranormal society, too. No, oh,
1: but this is a skeptical society.
0: Right. I've never heard of the skeptical society, but there's a lot of
1: paranormal societies that, for some reason on the East Coast. Well, that's where all the lovely ghost stuff happens so this was founded in 1996 okay um so this nonprofit organization aims to use science and reason to get to the bottom of things um see where i'm going with this
0: Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) so what's their reasoning what's they what do they think is the werewolf
1: well okay well they weren't talking about the werewolf case at this point this is just them doing an investigation into the Warrens.
0: Oh, okay. Um, um.
1: Well, since the Warrens were from the same area, they're they're in Connecticut. Right. So they're like, well, they decide to investigate them. Like, we're going to pop over. Like, you guys are our neighbors, so we might as well come check you out first. Um, so in 1997, um, Ness goes to just d- do just that. Um. So I I went to their website, and okay, so apparently they have a podcast too. Um, I didn't listen to any episodes, but so they go to so oh what was oh so their report on their website. Um, they say that what we found was a very nice couple, some generally sincere people, but absolutely no compelling evidence. Or more precisely, there was a ton of evidence, air quotes, um, but none of it stands up to the rigorous scientific testing and most of it not even to cursory testing. So they're saying their evidence that they were giving that are given from the warrants wasn't really evidence.
0: I mean, this is the issue with the whole skeptical concept, right? You want evidence. You want scientific evidence. Well, like legitimately, before we had a telescope, people were struggling to understand the concept of other planets or things of that nature. So maybe the evidence you're looking for, does, we can't get it because we don't have the scientific items to to gain that evidence. Hmm.
1: That's a very good observation. Like thousands
0: of years ago, they wouldn't have believed that we have these tiny little phones where you're probably listening to this podcast.
1: Probably not. Um. But um. So before their visit to the Warrens, they were told that you know the Warrens had scientific evidence that they have fruit-
0: pictures and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but the war, like and even
0: pictures from like way back, like when they like the 70s or the 60s. Yes,
1: but they were told that they were scientific evidence. I
0: feel like that's a, that's evidence. <laughs>
1: Listen,
0: it's fine. I just happen to love the war. I know. I'm sorry. It's, I know you're no, gonna... it's not that. It's just like so frustrating because, mm. like. And this is evidence. Apparently, it's, not good enough for y'all.
1: Okay, fine. I mean, okay, <laughs> like we're not, like we're not getting into this. um Well, you're so, not
0: one of those people. I'm just saying
1: skeptics. I mean, I mean, I can see the their reasoning and their logic behind things.
0: Well, it's the same people who are like, I believe in God, and they're like, there's no proof. Yes, there's no proof. What do you want me to do? Yeah,
1: there's no proof.
0: Have no beliefs.
1: I mean, I don't so. Do what you want. Oh, anyway, yeah. Like they said, like I said, they said they had evidence that proved the existence of ghosts. So, <clears throat> so Ness was like, "Oh, word! All right, we're here for that shit. Let's go." So, <laughs> um, I'm just gonna say that I read their report on their website. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, I'm just gonna say that. It came off as, mm, I don't, I don't know how to, like I, like when I wrote this, I didn't know how to explain it, this but is I wouldn't say it. It came off like, um, God, like what's the what's that word, like they didn't like the Warrens or something like that. It just came off like very skeptical and very very, um God Help me out here. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to come up with a word. That's an already word. Like it was it was like they You know how when you're like okay, have you ever lied to your parents?
0: Of course.
1: Okay. And they're just like Okay, yeah, we believe you. You know stuff like that, like very like facetious, facetious esque. You know what I'm saying? Facetious. Facetious. <laughs> I know how to say facetious. I'm just trying to like. Pour, I don't think I'm just it's the right word. Facetious, word. but no, it's not. But it's like you know, they're just like. Okay, well, they said this stuff, but I'm guessing, you know, whatever they said. Anyway, <laughs> it just came off, like, very... Flippant. There you go. Or, like, there's just shade on them a little bit. I could have just said shade. I just, it just came to my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they start out um, going to the Warren's Basement Museum, mm-hmm. um, being warned not to touch anything.
0: They touched everything.
1: So Ness finds it, you know difficult to touch like not not to touch anything because it's packed with stuff um and Mm -hmm. like ness writes that the warrens had a lot of ghost stories Mm -hmm. which they tried to pass off as evidence um they were shown some physical evidence that you know that they 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 could they uh god stuttering well
0: the only reason why i said they they use pictures and like audio and stuff is because that's how they were able to get like approval from the church right to do exorcisms yeah like that. so yeah. like they had to prove something to the Absolutely, diocese the church isn't going to just they put didn't just out say like anything. oh sure yeah we'll totally send a priest out like they definitely didn't just do that
1: exactly exactly so so the church had, to, had to, be... to have believed this as well yeah and very convincing um so yeah, they they showed them um, pictures, of course, and and you know they take them and they do studies on the pictures that you know the Warrens would show them. Um, you know, some of the pictures could be like explained away by like a light refraction or something like that. Um, there was right. also, orbs
0: are always dust.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now there was a video that they showed Ness um it was of i guess one of their researchers that they had with me it's the
0: same way that when you show me like you like facebook pictures that are like look here's a ghost picture and i'm like that's not a ghost picture it's too (laughs) good to be a ghost picture i did that
1: earlier (laughs) i did show you a picture like that i was like i know it's fake but (laughs) i was like that's just too good to be a ghost
0: picture ghosts are always very blurry yeah Something about trying to, you know, make it through the the, yeah. the veil makes them extra blurry.
1: Exactly, <laughs> something with the veil. It's the veil, of course. Obviously. Um. But anyway, so the Warrens. Uh, what? What? Ed. He he told them that he had a video of. I think an exorcism or something like that, mm-hmm. and you know, I think he 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 was like i don't even want to watch it like and they're like well can you let us watch it and he's like no 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 no." like he was very like some of his stuff he was just very secretive with he wouldn't let them look at and he wouldn't let them take to research it either so that was a little hmm?
0: here take all my shit and run your test on it and and run it through filters and other oh you think they are gonna mess it up yeah especially like stuff that was done on analog
1: Mm -hmm, that's true (laughs) you had, a VH, you had... <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're talking about analog systems, not like, oh, I'll give you a copy of this video I took on my iPhone. Yeah, that that's not how that worked back then. So, like sometimes, like essentially, using a VHS tape repeatedly degraded it. Watching it over and over actually caused it to degrade over time. Yeah,
1: this is true. Um, but he did show them a video. Mm-hmm. Um, it was of one of his his crew. Okay, that. mysteriously like in one second he was there and Mm -hmm. the next second he was gone that's creepy so like he dematerializes in front of the camera so and they're like okay can we take this one to like you know do it like look at it closely and he's like yeah sure go ahead so what they found out is that it was a a malfunction in the camera so apparently it turned off and it turned back on like as that guy was like walking by or something like that and like when it turned back on he was gone so it turns off which is
0: still weird though
1: the camera i mean it's true
0: (laughs) sorry i went to college for photography i know a lot about old cameras
1: I'm getting all the, I'm getting all the angry vibes from Brittany right now. It's not. It's not. <laughs> what you're
0: getting is like the my response to the skeptics, and more She's, than likely the skeptics' response to me. We have the same energy. Yes. Back and forth with each other. That's why I don't really engage in conversation. Like when people are like, "This is fake," I'm like, "Fine, whatever." Yeah.
1: She's just. I I just feel like the defensive. Oh, I'm you. mad defensive. <laughs> I
0: know. I'm defensive about Ed and Lorraine. Mm-mm. I love them,
1: which is fine. You can. Oh my goodness! They're
0: my favorite ghost people. Also, that one cop about that book I'm going to tell you about later.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so the president, uh, his name's Stephen Novella, and I guess one of the other founders, um, Perry DeAngelis. Um, they write that. Even though Ed talks about having evidence or scientific evidence, he doesn't even do basic scientific research into his claims of um like he doesn't, you know what I mean? So he doesn't what <laughs> your eyebrows. He, he 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 just doesn't he he doesn't even think about like it could not be a possession or it could not be a demon or it could not be a ghost or something like he just like what they what they felt, what they felt was that he just jumped straight to ghosts.
0: Right, except he doesn't. When people come to them, you have to have exhausted all other options before he will even begin to bring in people and do a ghost investigation. Also, what am I supposed to do? Like, literally, I look, I see a ghost. Like, what (laughs) how am I supposed to prove this to you?
1: Oh my God. I don't
0: Could you how could you describe it to somebody who had never heard of that before? So listen, I know we're in the same room right now. Behind you, there is somebody. You can't see them, but I can see them. The person's like, well, take a picture. Here's a picture. Nobody's behind you, but I can see that somebody. Like, there's no way to explain this logically that makes, like, pure logical sense. You're you're acting on faith. Which is super upsetting for some people. Right, I'm cool with the concept of there's a bunch of stuff out there in the world that I don't understand. I'm probably never going to understand it. And I'm okay with that. I find people who need to have all those answers very frustrating. Because yeah. it's, it's impossible to explain all of human understanding or everything that exists in all of the galaxies, mm. like, there's stuff we didn't know about space. There's stuff we still won't know about space. That's true. There's this one. Not um, in lifetime. What is Neil deGrasse? Oh, there's this one astrophysicist. He's a Japanese guy. And he, he does this speech where he talks about the concept of impossible. And he said that there's absolutely nothing that is impossible. Enough time just haven't hasn't passed yet it's a really lovely speech you can find his ted talk somewhere on youtube probably but that like things that like we before we had um penicillin the concept of fighting infection was impossible Mm -hmm. you just you got an infection and your ass was dead you died yeah and so then all of a sudden we found the the science and the technology for things so like i'm a very logical person but i'm also a person who works on i guess feelings too Mm -hmm. so like I really liked that idea behind that of maybe I won't know about this thing in my lifetime. Maybe I won't experience this understanding in my lifetime, but it's thoroughly plausible that a thousand, two thousand, five thousand years from now, we will have some of the answers we are looking for.
1: I believe you're right. That's just how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay.
0: I got to find him now. He has this really good speech.
1: I'm going to read to you part of their report. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to do it. Cause it just like, it just explains like wh- what they meant about like him not having like scientific research. <clears throat> okay. So this is about um, eyewitness testimonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so vastly outnumbering the Warrens, low grade physical evidence. Is their copious anecdotal evidence? Um, they they are great tellers of ghost stories, leading in no small measure to the popularity on a lit <laughs> or a lecture circuit. Oh my God, this is long. My bad. <laughs> I should have read this. They do seem to understand, however, that the case of the re- of the, for the reality of ghosts um, will never be made by stories alone. In this respect, however, the Warrens are typically of the majority of people who are compelled by a gripping story and, and and lack a deep understanding of how flimsy and unreliable human memory and perception really is. Good skeptics, like good scientists, strive to increase their awareness of such weaknesses so that they can be controlled for in the quest of knowledge, of course. Um Ed and his ilk, on the other hand, are continuously seeking seeking the reliable witness. But even pilots, firefighters, police chiefs, and physicians, however, are just people. Their grey matter is is the same as everyone else's. Um, In short, memory is fallible. This is due to the fact that all of our our perceptions are filtered through our own unique. Oh, polygot, poly,
0: polyglot,
1: polyglot, is that what it is? It says, po- yeah, polyglot, mm-hmm. yeah, polyglot.
0: Polyglots <laughs> are people who speak multiple languages.
1: Oh, oh, that, like a I, lot of languages. That's a new vocabulary word I did not know about. I anyway,
0: so. <laughs> wait, let me double check.
1: Um, of prejudices, preconceptions, misconceptions, insecurities, and physical. frailties um the mind can do dilute mix up and even manufacture memories and we have no way to determine which er, which is which without external verification there is no way to distinguish a delusion from a hallucination from a vivid dream from a genuine experience so later on they mention in here that okay so That's such an interesting thing to
0: say, though, because he doesn't feel like a hallucination or a vivid dream is a valid experience. I think they are experiences. They're just experiences that they can't share with someone else. So if we are both sitting in the room and I have a hallucination, Mm -hmm. it's valid to me. Yeah. I'm experiencing it. You just can't share it with me. So they feel like unless they can share the exact experience that maybe Lorraine Warren is having, that her experience cannot be valid.
1: They're scientists. So, yes, this is how they feel.
0: <laughs> also, the person I was talking about with the theory of impossible, his name is Michio Kaku. He's a theoretical physicist. I had him confused with Neil deGrasse Tyson's title of Astro. astrophysicist. There's okay. lots of different ph- ph- physicists. Okay. I do not begin to even know anything about that aspect of science. But it's interesting because I find a lot of scientists very interesting and I listen to them. People talked about people always ask, like, what kind of podcast I listen to? Mm. I listen to theoretical physicists and um, astrophysicists.
1: You should see her face. She's so excited. I am
0: super interested in, in things like this. <laughs> um, oh
1: my God. That,
0: so, no, th- this explains some things to me, like um, what they were saying. Uh, like, I, I, So, so you're, you're I think, up? well, let's see. I think they fail to understand the purpose of what Ed and Lorraine were doing. It was not to, to spread understanding to the world or explain ghosts and demons. i um, sure they wrote a couple of books. They were mainly for entertainment. If we're really honest, they mm-hmm. were trying to make money. Um, I think when they were just working like with that guy, Bill, mm-hmm. they were just trying to help him. They don't necessarily need the endorsement of the rest of the world. Or it's acceptance. And I'm sure the both of them knew that they weren't going to be accepted or treated with much respect, honestly. Right, yeah. Um, whenever you <laughs> say that you see things that other people don't see, oh. people don't really take you <laughs> at your word. You know, but yeah, I I said this and they're like, yeah, you just go off of anecdotal evidence. I'm like, also you're saying, hey, they don't, you can't Be You can't rely on human memory, which they're absolutely right, which is why eyewitness testimony is bullshit. Mm. But that's why they had recording devices there. That's why they had cameras. That's why they wrote things down in books like they were trying to secure these things for memory usage. Because they knew that by the time Lorraine was 80 years old, she wasn't going to remember what happened in Amityville, New York, you know? So, like, they were attempting to do that with the limited resources they had. I mean, 2021, we have, like, things that detect seismic stuff. I mean, look at the stuff they use on ghost TV shows now. They didn't have that in the 50s and 60s. (laughs) You know, they were very limited with the... Things they could use to get that evidence that these people want. I would love to see what they think of some of the, the things that Zach Bagans uses on his TV show. Oh my God. He is always bringing in a new device that somebody created to try and figure out where ghosts are. Or this reads these waves and this reads this sort of and this is listening to these kind of sound. I just would love to know what they think about that. Because this is Zach Bagans is trying to give them what they want. Yeah. real raw data
1: yes um okay you yes i mean look your argument is valid
0: no no, no. i'm just i i'm i don't <laughs> think i will listen to their podcast or read more of their stuff but i part of me is also very interested to know what they think unfortunately with that tv show it's curated for massive entertainment right not necessarily for what they want but like i'm sure there's other like ghost hunters out there who are using that kind of stuff and they're not making tv shows they're just hunting for their own you know edification Mm -hmm. i wonder what they think of those people and what those people are doing Mm -hmm. and bringing into the world
1: i didn't read all of it all their other stuff um all right there's another part to this
0: oh gosh
1: okay there's still more so they bring in uh sleep stuff right um, like a sleep study or? Okay, so there was a case, uh, a guy named Jack Smurl, mm-hmm. um, he was investigated by the Warrens, mm-hmm. um, who relate to tell of awakening in the early morning, being paralyzed, um, sensing entity in the room, being overcome with terror. Maybe uh, like a sleep paralysis a, stuff. And there you go. Um, <clears throat> then being R-word by a ghost.
0: Oh. um, Succubus Incubi? aren't this what they call them yeah ghosts that um
1: well have relations with people demons yes
0: yeah incubus (laughs) or succubus
1: um so apparently there's a well-described neurological phenomenon known as hypnagogia oh is that what the the technical term for sleep paralysis is i think
0: i know that like a so, lot of I people think, I, I think know have discussed, they literally call it their sleep paralysis demon. Yeah. Like, that, that that's you freaking me. Yeah. That you see things in your brain. Essentially, your brain is still dreaming, but your body is trying to wake up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a real thing. And that's. And I feel like so you want to check it, that before you check everything else.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it was, like sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What they say is that we offered this info to Ed as a possible alternate, you know, explanation besides being like you know, uh, held down by a ghost. Um, he seemed intrigued, but he continued. He continued confidently. What about the pressure on the victim's chest when the entity was trying to get into them? Well, we were sorry to tell Ed that pressure on the chest and shortness of breath is also a well described aspect of hypnagogia Hypno mm-hmm. hypno.
0: Yeah. Hypno hypno yeah, okay, that is sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's the same thing.
1: Yeah. And then you know what Ed says after you know they tell him this? Oh. That's I a- mean, he was also an older man, too. <laughs> true. I mean it's nineteen ninety seven, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when was that even like diagnosed? I don't know. That'd be interesting to but- know. But yeah, that's um So yeah, this is like <laughs>
0: But see, it's an interesting thing because it also pops up in relationship to other like mental illnesses and things, Mm -hmm. which are things that you should have, that person should have already gone through that evaluation. Yeah. Like certain antidepressants can cause sleep paralysis. So if that person is on that, like Mm -hmm. we have a clear connection, like maybe you just need to be taken off this drug and put on a different one that's not half waking you up when (laughs) like halfway through the night. Mm -hmm. So... I mean that's yeah. No they, one's fa- no no one's infallible, you know. No,
1: absolutely. And they and they even mentioned it and they're like, yeah, we're like we don't expect people to be well versed in like sleep paralysis. No. And but we, I only know about
0: it because this is something that's discussed in the paranormal community.
1: Yeah. He, but he did say, but we do expect it from someone who claims to be conducting scientific research in the field where such phenomena See, I don't in, think I ever
0: claimed until they were like, he's like, I got some stuff for you, but I mean, he was very. I think he was more of a faith based kind of guy. I mean, yeah, that. then he was a science yeah. guy.
1: <laughs> and they're like, yeah, Ed, Ed, obviously never heard of this until we brought it up to him. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's where they went with their. He didn't really, he didn't do any like scientific research, um, so. I'm not going to go any further into this. I mean, if you want to read this yourself, you can go to their website. Um, it's called. The- I mean,
0: that does. Uh, they took. They hit his credibility. They took. A, they took a stab at his credibility. Mm-hmm. But I also will say, as far as the people go, I've kind of always been
1: a Lorraine's dam. Okay. Yeah. Um. Same. See. I mean, this was supposed to be about Lorraine anyway, but you know, there's a lot more about
0: well that's what happened with me with this one like i originally found out about the cult because i was looking up you know sarah Aldretti. and yeah. i was like well you can't talk about the cult without talking about alfonso so yeah. oh well
1: you can't talk about the the, the warrens without talking about both well, of them yeah
0: because what she was doing was completely different but what they were most known for was what he was doing the yeah. demon shit
1: yeah anyway they have a website it's called the nest.com um i
0: think you could just google the name and find them you said n-e-s-s
1: yeah but you never know uh it could be other nesses And the the report that they wrote up it's called um hunting the ghost hunters um and it's in it's on there um see i wouldn't so... have even
0: called them ghost hunters i think of ghost hunters as like um taps mm-hmm.
1: so ness does end their report with, well is part of it with um a line from ed and it says And he says, you can't have scientific evidence for a spiritual phenomenon. So.
0: You really can't.
1: So I guess. I
0: mean, they tried, but I I don't think it's it's ever going to give enough raw data that someone who is a pure scientist will ever be happy with.
1: No, absolutely not. And I guess uh, you guys can just decide for yourself if you want to believe all the tales slash the evidence that the Warrens give or be skeptical about it. And that is what i have for the warrens yeah thank you thank you for listening um
0: i mean i did th- i was expecting more from the the wolf situation no they didn't give any a- details about the exorcism like what happened
1: <laughs> i'm sure if you read the book there's more info in it. i didn't get the book this time because i wasn't really that mm. looking it wasn't you
0: gave us the cliff notes version i really did
1: i really did (laughs) definitely cliff notes isn't because like in the demonologist this wasn't i don't think this was a story in that book oh so you picked
0: a different story from the one from there that's definitely it's different that's for sure yeah
1: it's just something to think about like you can be possessed by a a demon and it make you think that you're a werewolf or a it's also just
0: interesting you know our conversations tonight it, it very much happened accidentally. I didn't go into this it, like you know, I didn't go into the 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 research this week, knowing no. where that story would take me. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. I think I think uh Alfonso Costanza definitely like sort of believed some of what he was preaching. oh no,
1: he definitely believed he that. believed
0: some of it, but I think he also knew <clears throat> how to really yeah scam folks absolutely and um you say the same thing about you know ed i think he definitely believed a lot of what he was saying and what he believed but i also think some of those books and things they were they were for cash they were for entertainment yeah so and and sometimes maybe you have to bend the truth a little bit for the fun, for 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 the books.
1: And that's where skeptics come at you,
0: though. And that's where the skeptics come at you, though.
1: Goodness. But, yeah.
0: That was our episode this week.
1: We had a great talk today, right?
0: Sorry, honey. I, I
1: feel like you're angry. <laughs> no,
0: I'm not angry. No, 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 no.
1: Oh, my God. She's she's on. I'm she's literally gonna,
0: smiling at you. I know,
1: but that's a fake smile. You're going to attack me later. Like, what the <laughs> fuck did you bring that shit up for?
0: <laughs> Never. Come on now.
1: Oh, my God.
0: As usual, though, uh, if you happen to be a iTunes listener or Apple podcast listener, we would love to have you review us. Uh, that only helps our podcast go higher up in the ranks. Um, I think we noticed this week that now 47% of our total listener base is on Apple. So, hey, new listeners.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. uh,
0: as usual, you can find us on, let's see, Twitch on Sunday, Foxy Trainer, you can find me on TikTok every day at Caught Podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are welcome to support any of the number of the links in our description.
1: Right, yes. You can, like, the In magic weeks.
0: clasp you can leave us a message at anchor.fm yes. mm-hmm. slash when killers get caught we'd love to hear from you and yeah that's all
1: thank you guys for listening
0: thank you <laughs>